I compliment this great church tonight for a tremendous celebration for your pastor and his wife and family. Brother and Sister Hughes are just first-class people. They do everything that they do uh, exceptionally well. I owe the Hughes family a debt that I could never pay. I remember Brother James Hughes drawing the plans for our building, encouraging us to step out, and uh, then coming and making sure that we did it just like we were supposed to do it. And uh, his expertise was invaluable. And then the many times he's preached for us and been a blessing to us, has left us with our mouths open in awe at his tremendous grasp of God's Word. Always something tremendous when Brother James Hughes came to speak. Brother Mark Hughes, so much has been said. How do you wrap it all up? A man that has invested so much in all of our lives. I bought trim by the trailer loads, thousands and thousands of dollars, and he kept sending me back for more. I have people today that probably still wear calluses on their knees and their thumbs and their fingers from sanding what looked like and felt like miles of trim. He didn't put one board up. He put six boards up to make a trim when he could have bought a piece and just put one board up. But it had to be a certain way. I'm reminded of Brother Hughes, and I'm made appreciative for Brother Mark Hughes. Every time I step to the pulpit, because nothing doing but him to build the pulpit that I was going to preach behind. And uh, I honor him for every message. He never missed the mark. He always touched our lives. And he is not a crybaby. Uh, I know you thought you were getting a lap dog, but you didn't get a lap dog. You got a Rottweiler. You just get him headed in the right direction and see. We love Brother Hughes. He's a tremendous, tremendous, kind-spirited man. He and his family have been a part of our life. And they allowed their children to treat us like a grandmother and a grandfather. And we've been very close to them for many, many years. I only hope today that somehow we can repay he and his family for all that's been invested in us. I said it last night. I say it again. He has been such a constant friend. Not a fair-weather friend, but a constant friend. I read somewhere one time where the ministry of man was generational, but the ministry of the church is eternal. And I uh, don't have to look in the mirror tonight to know that I will, I will serve my generation and then I will sleep with my fathers. And that is the normal progression. It's not something that we face with dread, but it's something that we know will happen one day and we live our life and prepare for that. I don't come as an evangelist tonight. I come as a pastor that's weathered a storm or two. When I first met Brother Hughes, his hair was black, 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 and he had a whole lot more of it. And when he met me, my hair was black, 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 and a whole lot more of it. You couldn't see through it. We are grateful for our friendship with Brother and Sister Hughes. I come tonight to 
piggyback, if I might, on a prophecy that Brother James Hughes gave last night. How many were here last night? How many heard him pray? I will feast on that prayer. There are sermons I feast on, and Sister Hopkins feasts on Brother Johnny Harrell's sermons, and not her husband's. And uh, we feast on... I've been feasting on that prayer that he prayed. I had to get Brother Hopkins because he, he just deserved that. I uh, love Brother and Sister Hopkins to all our visiting ministers. We honor you. We're very grateful and glad to be in service with you. But last evening, Brother Hughes prayed such a powerful, powerful prayer. And toward the close of that prayer, he stepped into a prophetic role. And it was such a smooth fluid step that many of us almost missed it. And he began to prophesy something concerning the future of this church. I believed what I felt. I felt a tangible presence of an invisible God. And my heart and spirit was moved. Thank you for your kindness. I'll try not to be long tonight. Brother Hopkins told me I had 20 minutes. Exodus chapter 14 Verse number 10, and when Pharaoh do not, drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us, to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in this wilderness. For it had been better for us. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die. In this wilderness. Another rendering of this text very quickly. It would have been better for us to stay where we were. Than to attempt. The journey. That we're now making. It would have been better for us to have remained where we were. Than to attempt. The journey. That we're now making. My subject tonight. It's not about the journey. It's about the destination. And if we're not careful, we all will find ourselves, as well as so many others, focusing on the journey and the hardships of the journey instead of focusing on where we're going and the destination. You may be seated. I have in the back of my Bible a photograph that came out of an in-flight magazine. I was trying to calm my nerves. I'm not a guy that enjoys flying. I have scripture for it. The Bible said, lo, I am with thee. And so I try to stay just as low as I can. And in this in-flight magazine, uh, there was an advertisement. and It was a photograph. And it was advertising a beautiful, white-columned estate. 
The lawn was very green and it was well manicured. The trees were well tended. The backdrop was of a beautiful setting of mountains and it was very, very captivating to look at. The advertising was about a place in Greenbrier called the Greenbrier in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. And if you were to do what I did, you would make that 1-800 number, and you would hear what I heard. The lady answered the phone, and she said, Welcome to the Greenbrier Resort. Many U.S. presidents have stayed here. My first question was, as I interrupted her, how much does it cost? They said, The housing is wonderful. She went right on as though nothing had been said. We have amenities that we can't list, and it's something you just can't imagine. Again, I interrupted. How how much does it cost? She ignored me the third time. It's set in a beautiful 5,500-acre resort, a golf course designed by Sam Sneed. And again, I asked the question the third time. How much does it cost? Oh, cost. She said the cost ranges from 475 a night per person to 859 a night per person. Double occupancy required. If you really want the best, she said, $1,700 a night is nothing. And there is a three-night minimum. I knew I was completely out of the ballpark at this time. She kept rambling about the dress code. She started talking about air travels not included. And then she made the statement that I use as a subject tonight. She said, but sir, it's not about the journey. It's about the destination. It's the Greenbrier. After I hung up, I thought about what she had said. This afternoon, I felt the Lord prompting me to again Look at that little flyer. And then I started reading from this text of Scripture. In this text tonight, the children of Israel have started out on a journey. Many of them felt like that it was just going to be a very short journey. They really had not stopped to consider the destination. All they could see was the journey. And they started on this journey. They had their hearts set. They had their minds made up that they were going to get there quite quickly. However, time flew by and they found themselves facing some insurmountable odds. I thought as I considered Brother and Sister Hughes this afternoon, 25 years, somebody said, that's a long time. I remember with Brother Hopkins as well as Brother Hughes and others, the storefront building, the shopping center. I thought back this afternoon about our acquaintance with the Hughes family. Those things that I've seen them go through. The things that I've seen them face. The difficulties that I've seen this church face. I've been with them and stood beside them through sickness and through health issues. As Brother Stanton said last night, we prayed one time when there was not a good prognosis. The doctor said he would very possibly be paralyzed for the remainder of his life. From his neck down. We prayed and God intervened and we give God the glory. I speak tonight of people who have been very, very faithful. I look at a church family that has been very faithful, loyal people 
that have daily held your pastor and his family up in prayer. People, all of us, who have been scarred by life, we've had life subtract and extract things from us. We've had our difficulties. We've had our hiccups. We've had our times of tears and our times of sorrow. The events of life have not all been times where we have just sat back and we've laughed and we've drank coffee and enjoyed each other's fellowship. There have been times when many of us have wondered, can I finish this race? Can I make it? Do I have what it takes to finish it? Possibly even someone here tonight has said in the near, in the recent future, if one more thing happens and you leave it unspoken, because all of us, not just ministry, but all of us have at times looked at this thing that we call life and we wonder, do we have what it takes to finish because of the circumstances that surround us? And then we come to the house of God and we hear a faithful pastor as he preaches the word of God and our hearts are encouraged and uplifted. We walk out with new desire in our heart and spirit to do what's right for God. We get a word of encouragement. We get a word of faith. We get something that causes our trust to rise to an all-time high. We walk out grasping and hoping, holding on to hope once again. And we've made it through some difficult times. We've made it through some harsh times. And we made our minds up to finish this race that we started so many years ago. How many times have I heard Brother Hughes say it? How many times have you heard him preach it? No matter what it costs me, no matter how difficult the journey is, no matter how deep the valley, no matter how high the mountain, no matter what I have to give up, no matter what I have to pay, I'm not turning back. I'm going to finish this journey that I started because a long time ago, we stand here tonight reaping the benefit of a pastor and his wife. We stand here tonight reaping the benefit of someone that refused to look at the difficulty of the journey. And they said, it's heaven that I'm trying to carry some people to. I want to hear the Lord himself say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now you can focus, loosen up with me a little bit. You can focus on the journey if you want to. There's certainly enough things on this journey that you can look at. And if you're not careful, you'll do what so many have done. I considered those that I have seen backslide in the last 35 years of pastoring in the same place. And I can't name very many of them that had something that they could not overcome or had committed some sin that God could not forgive them of. I don't know of one. I don't know of an individual that has backslidden in the last 35 years out of my church that had to walk away from God. But I know many that walked away simply because they said, I didn't sign up for this. It's just too difficult. You look at an old white-haired man tonight and remember these words. It's not about the journey, ladies and gentlemen. It's about the destination. It's where we're headed. If we're ever going to get there, if we're ever going to hear him say, well done, somewhere we're going to have to get our eyes off of all the difficulties that take place along this journey. The journey's difficult. But heaven's worth every step that we take. And regardless of how many that have fallen, regardless of how many that should be here tonight that are not here, 
We refuse to focus on them. I've made my mind up that I want to look the enemy in the face and say, devil, I've got a fresh revelation. I want you to understand something, whether you're a young person or middle-aged or whether you're, you're older in years like some of us. They call me bishop. That's just a fancy word for old man. It's important that we understand tonight that we recognize that if we finish this race, we've got to have our mind made up. I remember my old daddy going to church with staples in his back, fresh from surgery, but it was church night. His pastor reminded me of it yesterday. He said, Dennis, he would get there and pray an hour and a half before church. And I could hear him in that prayer room one solid hour and a half before church. He said, I'd pat him on the back and he said, oh, oh, oh. I said, what's the matter, Brother Clark? He said, well, had a little surgery. And he said, I found out from your mom it wasn't a minor surgery, but with staples in his back. That old man that used to be an alcoholic had something to thank God for. Brother Hopkins has probably been there. You've seen my old dad come out of that pew and he's singing a song when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Slinging his hands and walking and singing for the glory of the Lord. Can I say something to greater life? I do believe that God has great things in store for you but the only way we will ever see it is if we make our minds up it's not about the journey regardless of how difficult it is regardless of what may come our way regardless of how many times we may be flooded we make our minds up that it's not about the journey it's all about the destination. No matter what happened yesterday, no matter what I went through today, no matter what I may face tomorrow, it's all about, ladies and gentlemen, where we're going. They sang about it, the majority of the songs I was thinking this afternoon. I was thinking about all of the songs that we used to sing. The majority of those songs had something to do with I feel like traveling on. The Lord has been so good to me. The majority of the songs had something to do with encouraging us to not give up. I remember going to church and there were times when our hearts were broken. I too have walked in the house of God and as a minister, as a pastor, put my game face on. Walked to a pulpit when my own heart was broken in a thousand pieces. I come to confess to you tonight, I didn't feel like being there. But I knew I needed to be there. Because while I was there, while I was preaching and while I was praying for someone else, God was healing me and God was helping me. You're not the only one that needs the house of God. But whether you walk in here with tears streaming down your cheeks or not, you must understand this is a place that we've got to be. Because it's never about the journey. It's about the destination that really matters. When we forget that, something happens in our lives. We look at the life of the great Apostle Paul. We could talk about the shipwrecks. We could talk about the stonings. We could talk about the beatings. We could talk about being betrayed by false brethren within the church and without the church. Don't say amen. It's okay. I understand. 
You don't want that person sitting next to you to know. But the truth is, we all have experienced our own level of betrayal, the beatings, the imprisonment. And he would refer to all of these things as light afflictions. How can you do that, Paul? How can you say that these things, these serious things are light afflictions? Because Paul, too, understood that it's not about the journey. It's about the destination. Why was this church started in the first place? These people said it would be easier. It would have been better for us to have stayed where we were as slaves, oppressed, with taskmasters, with whips in their hands, making bricks and slaving, with no hope, with no future, with no freedom, than to attempt this journey. I had rather go down believing that God can than sit somewhere and accept the fact that I'm defeated and God can't. I'd rather go down believing that God's able to heal. I don't know how I'll leave this world. You don't know how you'll leave this world. But somewhere we've got to make our mind up. It's not about the journey. I know difficulty and heartache may come. I know I know sadness. I know loss. I know tears. I know sorrow. And all of you know the same things. And if that's all we get our eyes on, We really miss what it's all about. And we'll find ourselves not attempting the journey. How many times has a pastor cast vision? When I walked in tonight, kind usher carried me upstairs to his office. He's got a little thing written on the wall, painted on the wall behind his chair. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Never seen that in a pastor's office before. It's a Sunday school office, Sunday school room for children. His book's all boxed up in tubs. I imagine I've got a book or two in there that I need to check on. And I thought as I started up those stairs, I wonder what he'll be doing. And when I cleared that top stair, I saw him standing, looking at a set of plans, just rocking back and forth, planning, planning. What you doing, Brother Hughes? Looking at some plans for a brand new building. In the middle of a disaster, we haven't gotten everything taken care of yet that we need to get taken care of. But he's not afraid to cast vision because he knows it's not about the journey. It's not about the hardships. It's not about the sickness. It's not about the cancer. I'll tell you what it's about. It's about making heaven your home. And he's planning on making something better than it's ever been. I believe you stand on the threshold of some of the greatest days that you've ever seen as a church. But you've got to buy in to what God has placed in the heart of your pastor and leader. You've got to let his vision become your vision. You've got to let his heartbeat become your heartbeat.
through the years we've seen the shipwrecks. The Bible said there will come a day that we'll look the enemy in the face and we'll ask the question, is this the one? That caused me all my trouble. Can I move this? You mean that's him? That almost wrecked my life. Is this the one that almost had me convinced that I couldn't go on? That we're going to see him as he really is. And we're going to marvel at how insignificant he really is. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm convinced tonight that God has something for us in the future. And yes, it may mean we come to church with tears streaming down our cheeks. Yes, it may mean our heart gets broken, but we refuse to stop because our hearts are set on the future. So, Pastor, we may come to church with our hearts numb with grief. And we may end up like old Polycarp. Just renounce your God. We won't light this fire under your feet if you'll just renounce that you know Jesus Christ. The message that you've been declaring. And he said these words. Eighty and six years have I walked with him. He has never failed me yet. I will not desert him now. What's his secret? It wasn't about the journey. It was all about the destination. He said, you don't have to tie my hands. You don't have to tie my feet. Light your fire. They started the fire and he lifted his hands. And he died praising and worshiping God. As the musicians come, I, I'm taking my 20 minutes. Twelve years ago, I was called to the bedside of my father. And he had gone through so much. I never dreamed that my dad would pass away that day. My brother came in from Michigan. And we stood by my dad's bedside. And we tried to love him. And we tried to express ourselves to him. And he struggled with a lot of issues in his life. And. His last hours were very difficult hours. I said, Dad, you gotta sit down. You gotta lay down in the bed. You can't, you can't just sit up on, in this chair. He said, don't make me lay down. I said, Dad, you got to. 
So I tell you what, I'll lay down beside you. So I picked him up out of the chair and I set that little frail man in the bed. I laid him back on the pillow and I laid down beside him. Labored breathing and we knew the time was getting close. This man that had been such a giant in my life and so strong and loved God so deeply. His breasts got shorter and shorter and all of a sudden he took a deep breath and I heard him. And he started setting up in that bed. I said, Dad, he said, leave me alone. And he raised his hand up. And he said, there you are, Lord. I've been wondering what you really look like. And he started speaking in other tongues. And his last words were, I've been waiting on you a long, long time. How did Jack Clark make it all those years? I raised two kids that like to kill me. Yours as angels, they came out of the womb talking in tongues. Mine weren't. He had six. And all of them was worse than me. Not really. But this one was expelled from Sunday school, so we'll leave that alone. Don't ever come back to church. The point being, ladies and gentlemen, how did daddy, how did daddy, how did mother, how did those old timers make it? They had adversity and difficulty that you and I know nothing about. They suffered hardships that we probably never will experience. They did without in ways that we know nothing about. Some of them walked to church carrying their children. Making sure that their children were in the house of God. And they drove something down deep in the bedrock of our spirit. It's not about the journey. It's the destination that really matters. And if you get your eyes on the difficulties and the hardships of the journey, you're going to find yourself struggling in a way that you never dreamed you would. But if you keep your eyes on Him, that one that's going to speak into every one of our lives in such a positive and real way one day. I wish that I could guarantee you that there would never be another broken home. I wish I could tell you, Brother Hughes, there would never be another divorce. I wish I could tell you that you'd never have to listen to another child cry over the loss of a parent. I wish you'd never, I could tell you you'd never bury another person to the dreaded disease of cancer. Wish I could tell you there'd never be a sickness and a hardship in anyone's life. I wish I could guarantee this pastor, my friend, that there'll never be another sleepless nights where you lay awake with a burden on your heart. But what I felt God speak to my heart was you tell them and you tell him it's not about the journey. It's not about what goes in to this journey that we need to focus on. 
But what we must focus on is, where are we going? Where are we headed? Remember that old song, Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. There to sing forever. See, they don't know it. Some of you are nodding your head. Because songs like that and the truth of those songs carried us through difficult, difficult times. This generation's got its own songs, and I, I'm trying to learn them. They're a challenge for me. They're difficult for me to learn, mainly because I resist change so badly. But the reason those old songs meant so much to my generation is because those old songs are what carried us through the journey. When we didn't know how we were going to make it, we'd walk into church and Brother Kilgore would start Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. And some of those other songs that he would sing, and he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. But he would lead us to the throne of God by singing those songs that meant so much to us. I mean, remember the days when they would stand and testify. And when they would stand, some of those old sisters would start singing their testimony. Nobody? I remember those days. Things would break out in those services. Those elders had a testimony. And sometimes the only way they could say it was by singing. If all you see in life are the difficulties that go into the journey, you're going to have a hard time finishing it. But if you ever lift your eyes to the hills from whence cometh our help, you can finish the journey that we've started. somehow refocus on what really is important. What's a few days of discomfort down here when we have been promised an eternity with Jesus Christ? What's a few days of hardship down here when we've been promised so much on the other side? We don't hear a lot preach about it. Nowadays, maybe we need to preach more about it. But that's where our focus was placed as young people. That's why they would have those old services and they would call all of us up to the front or they would preach to us until hell was so hot that we would run to an altar and fall in an altar and consecrate and rededicate ourselves to God. What was he saying? Get focused on what's real, what really matters. Because if you're looking for a journey that's just an easy road, you're probably in the wrong, you're, you're on the wrong road. You're probably, probably looking at it from a wrong perspective. But if you ever get your eyes focused on what the real reason for it all is, and that is being saved and hearing Him say, 
well done. It's not about the journey. It's about the destination. Stand with me. I want Brother Hughes to come. As we wrap up these tremendous nights, days of service, I think you've got a pastor that has a passion second to none. And it drives him. He's not satisfied with just the status quo, but he wants the very best that God has. I look at this great congregation of people and I think how blessed you are. I can announce Brother Mark Hughes is coming to preach and our attendance picks up. I don't take offense in that. I'm glad something moves them. We're grateful for his ministry. We're grateful for all that he has invested in our lives, the lives of our people. Brother Kilgore named eight people to me one day. He said, Brother Clark, he said, my ministry is the sum total of many men. But he said there were eight men, and he named these eight men that had spoken into his life and invested in him. And he patted his own chest, and he said, James Kilgore is what he is today because someone invested in me. I thank God for a pastor that not only gives but a pastor that don't mind investing in people, investing in lives that will be eternally affected by the word that he has spoken into their life. Brother Hughes, we love you. One of the greatest friends I have. I think it would be fitting for us all, everybody, to have an altar service tonight. So I'm going to invite you to come up here. Amen. I don't know of any any word that could be more pertinent to where we are at this particular time. Our guests, we're grateful that you're here, but this church has faced some great adversity over the last few years. And I want to say to all of you, I am I am humbled by your resilience. That when you get knocked down, you find a way to get back up. And you go. I do believe every word that we have heard. I believe every promise that our greatest days are before us, not behind us. Is it going to be easy? I doubt it. Nothing worthwhile ever is. Is it all going to fall into place like we want it to? I doubt it. But if it's worth anything, it's worth our best. And I'm not interested in just celebrating where we are. I want God to get our eyes lifted to where he's trying to take us. All of us could expand our vision tonight. Your local church, you're not a member here. Somehow something could happen that you would get your eyes off of all of the distractions and all of the garbage that goes on in life to try to keep you so tied up that you can't give God what he deserves and look beyond that and see where God's trying to get you 
It's a better place. Amen. I want us to pray that prayer tonight. God, take me into the future that you have prepared for us. Jeremiah said, I know the thoughts I have of you. I know the plans I have for you. God has no surprise by this storm or any storm that's ever come into our life. There's always been something beyond that. And I want to see it. I want this church to see it. And I am excited. I believe that God's going to give us things that we have heard talked about and we've heard mentioned, but we've never seen it. I believe we're going to see those things in the days that are ahead. I believe that the young people of this generation are going to see a book of Acts revival that's going to bring to them the same convictions that came to us when we came. Come on, lift up your voice and your your cry to Him tonight. Lord, help me see where You are taking us. Hallelujah. Give us that vision, Lord, that our eyes see beyond the present, to see beyond the moment. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Lord, we love You tonight. We praise you tonight. We praise you tonight. We praise you tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. I believe God is great. I believe he is so great that he... He doesn't have to duplicate something. He can do a new thing. And I'm looking for some new things in the days that are ahead. Amen. Join hands with someone right now. Father, you know where we are along the road of life. You know the journey that we are on tonight. Help us. Help us to hear the word of the preacher tonight. To get our eyes lifted to the goal. What are we reaching for? Where are we going? Lord, if you will enable us to see that, we can work our way through. We can claw our way through. We can pray our way through whatever difficulty that we are encountering right now. Lord, I'm asking you to bless and anoint. I'm asking your hand to be upon us. I am asking you, God, to give us that promise that you have made. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.